This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, here we go. So this week's part by Yechi. By Yechi is part of Stuma. If you look in a, in a Sefer Torah, there's no space. I got Koyen yesterday. I got Koyen today also, but that was by Yechal. I got Koyen yesterday. You can see <coughs> that there's no space <coughs> between the last word of Parashat Yigash, which is Ma'od, and the first word of Ayichi. But what, what word is Stuma? Ma'od of Ayichi. Ayichi. Ma'od is where it's supposed to be. Ayichi is supposed to be spaced far away. So Ayichi is Pasha Stuma. Life is Stuma. It's closed. We don't really know. We don't see from beginning to end. We're right in the middle somewhere. So the whole life we don't understand. We have questions why the guy next to you makes a sale. And he doesn't put on two and he doesn't dive in. And you're calling the same people. And this guy doesn't keep any of the mitzvahs. And he's selling, making money. And you're killing yourself. And you dive in and you come to shear and you're a good person. And you can't make any sales. And you're like, I don't understand. Sadik Viralo, a righteous person and is having a hard time in life. Or a, 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 a bad person who's having an easy time in life. That is a very big question. That is sussum. That Hashem didn't answer much of Ben Odawad Amalek. So Vayichi itself is Sassam. Part of in this week's parasha that's Sassam, that's closed, that we don't understand, is the last Pasik in parasha Vayichi. Chaim, you know the last Pasik Vayichi? No, why not? What's going on with you? You're a Steiger. You don't have to be smart. I'm not that smart either. You have to Steig. It's Torah is I'm malus by Torah. It's working. We're not goal oriented. We're not goal oriented. We're effort oriented. <laughs> Last pasuk in positive Mauritius. Let's sum up the whole book of Mauritius: creation, the Mabel, Avram Avinu, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Mitzrayim. Give me summation, like a good lawyer. So here's the last pasuk. My Yamas Yosef, and Yosef died. He was 110 years old. They mummified him. They used to do that to their kings. They would mummify him. Right? And they put him in a coffin. That's it. Last puzzle. Really sad, tragic puzzle. He died, they mummified him, and they put him in a coffin. And then all of us in Shul, and we're all going to be in Shul, Mitzvah Hashem, the Shabbos, especially because it's going to be 74 degrees, right? We talk about global warming. <laughs> Hashem's like, I can make it be 74 degrees if I want. In New York City, in the middle, at the end of December, Hashem does what he wants. The weatherman don't understand, nobody understands. I don't think it's ever been 74 degrees. On December 25th, 26th, whatever. Because Bochu runs the world. And then uh, next year in December, you can have nine feet of snow and 20 below zero. Because it's his weather, not our weather. So the question is, we're all going to be in shul. And the last words are, by they put him in a coffin in a triumph, and all of us are going to scream. What are we going to scream? Chazak, 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 be strong. <laughs> it's a very tragic pasuk. 
how does this summarize the whole book of Horatius? Yosef dying and, and putting him and mummifying him and leaving him in Israel. That could have been two sukkim before that. That's the last pasuk in the whole book of Horatius. What is creation? And 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 Aram and Yitzchak and Yaakov have to do with mummified Yosef dead in Mitzrayim. So the beginning of the parsha tells you the secret. Life is hidden, is sussum. The last, the first pasuk. Listen carefully. First pasuk of this week's parsha says Vayichi. Talks about life. The last pasuk in the Pasha Vayichi talks about death. So the first pasuk talks about life, and the last pasuk talks about death. It seems to be like a whole life, a whole lifetime between being born Vayichi and between dying. So what's really going on here? Godless. I spoke about this today. I was out of town, and I gave this year today. Godless. So let's take a look at Yosef Hatzadik. First of all, I was telling Chaim this week that it depends how you look at things. I was driving to school yesterday morning and somebody called me who was going through a very hard time. Like everything in his life, business, family, health is going wrong. He said, Zachariah, it's true what they say. I'm like, what do they say? Life is a bowl of cherries and I got the pits. I said, that's amazing. You say, what? That's amazing. Because if you got the pits, that means that you can plant them and get a whole cherry orchard. The guy who got the cherry, he ate it. Goodbye, Ashiyatza in the bathroom. Have a good day. It's gone. The guy who got the pit puts it in the ground and he gets a whole cherry tree. You got the pits? Wow. He's like, that's why I like to call you. It's how you look at things, right? People, I always say that, Abraham Lincoln's saying, I love it. People mourn that roses have thorns and other people celebrate that thorns have roses. It's just how you look at things. Like, look at this, this rose has terrible thorns. Other person's like, look at this thorns, it has a rose on top. It's how a person looks at life. So, I want to talk about Yosef HaTzadik tonight. More than I've ever spoken about him before. We'd like to digest a little bit of who he was, because the last Pusik in the whole book of Beratius seems to summarize that his death, his dying, and his being buried in Mitzrayim summarizes the whole creation. My high, what does one thing have to do with the other? So the answer is as follows. Yosef Sadik, and I think this is what we need to learn from him, has an extremely sensitive he was very sensitive to other people's feelings. We see this many times. In the beginning, in the beginning, it says, He protected the children of Bila and Zilpah, the servants, the Sheaviv, the wives of his father. And he went to his father and he reported that the Shvatim are bothering and making fun and calling the sons of, of Billah and Zilpah the sons of maidservants. Yosef was the man. Yosef was, was Yaakov, was Rachel. 
Yaakov worked to marry Rachel. Yosef was the Bechar of Rachel Imenu. Yosef was, got a Kusayna's Pasin. Yosef was at, at the top of everybody. The guy at the top doesn't worry about the, 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 the servants. It's not his problem. Not my problem. I'm sitting by dad. I'm learning all day. He bought me a coat. A Kusayna's Pasin. I have to worry that my brothers are bothering the other brothers are making fun of them. It's not my problem. My problem. It's not my problem. No. He went and told his father, "I can't watch this. They're they're, they're shvatim. They're also shvatim. They're making fun of them." So he brought the bosom ra from the beginning of the introduction of when we meet Yosef at Tzadik in the in the second passing by Yeshiv Yaakov, right? Where it talks about who Yosef was. The Torah immediately tells us. That he was Raya as Echabat who now has been a bill of That he was very sensitive to other people's feelings. Because of that, because of that, and I'm going to show you many different proofs of it, because of that, he saved the whole world. Without him, the world would have starved. Why? So if we go on a little bit further, in his whole fight, with his whole fight with Aishas Potiphar. Now you have to know the Medrash on this very interesting Medrash. What's the whole fight with Aishas Potiphar? She's a guy. Yosef Atzadik is Yaakov Avinu's son. He's, let's like, you know, let's understand who he was. He was Shiftei Ka. He was Yosef. He was, according to the Chida, he was Yisoid. He was the, the, the foundation of our Kedusha, the Kedusha of the whole world. So, like, what was even the test of this woman? Because she was beautiful. You think that, I mean, you think that's who he was? You think because she was beautiful, so he fell into her clutches? No. <coughs> what? She said the following. She said two things. She said, why? Okay, so first of all, you have to understand that. Okay, she said, why don't you want to be with me? What's your problem? So he said, I got two problems. One, you're married. You're an Aishas Ish. I can't be with an Aishas Ish. That's adultery. That's adultery. This is two, you're a guy. You're a Shiksa. Can't marry Shiksa. I'm going to be on the Choshen. I'm, I'm not going to be no son. See, the problem is that when you give reasons, you get yourself into big trouble. You got to walk away. Don't start trying to tell the other person reasons. Because she'll tell you, yeah, okay, I'll become a Gyarius. You're a guy. I can't be with you. I can't date you. Oh, I'll become a gyarist. If you're going to start answering, you have to no answers. You can't answer. That was the problem with with uh, the Satan with 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 uh, Chava. She started answering back when, what, where you can see, what you can touch, what you can't touch. Just get out of there. You get to that Sadek, answer her. He said, "I can't be with you." Asian fish. You're married. Leave me alone. And I'm a Jew. You're you're a guy. You're a mystery. She said, "I hear you." She was a big sorcerer, the Chidah says. She's a big sorcerer, sorceress. She said, come outside. She said, you know how to read stars? And it happens to be one of the things that Yosef was taught by his father. How to read stars, stargazing. <coughs> he said, yes. She said, I'm a big stargazer. Take a look at the stars, what do you see? She says, I see that for me and you, she said, Potiphar's wife said, for me and you are coming... Two very big tzaddikim. Yosef looked at the stars, and that's what it read. 
that from Potiphar's wife and him are coming two tzaddikim. And Yosef knew how to read the stars. And who aligns the stars? Hashem aligns the stars. So she said, your answer that I'm not Jewish is not an answer. Your answer that I'm married? I'm not, ma- I'm not married. Because in, in Goyesha law, marriage is consummated not by, not by Kedushin, by a ring, not by Kesef Shtar, but by Bia. It's consummated by the man and the woman being physically together. Now we know from Rashi that Potifa was, and we'll say nicely because they played this on the radio, Potifa was different. Okay, he wasn't into women. He bought Yosef for himself, says Rashi. For Mishkav Zachar. So, there is no way that she could have, he could have consummated the marriage with her because he wasn't interested in her. Physically. He wasn't interested in her physically. They had to be married. In Egypt, no, they had to be married to be an officer or a minister of the king. So he got married, but he wasn't, no interest in her. So she said, you know my husband. You know why he bought you. So, if, you, if, if the reason you can't be with me is because I'm married, according to Jewish law, I'm not married. We never consummated the marriage. So I just blew your two answers out the door. That's why you never give answers. So she blew his two answers out the door. One, I'm not married. Two, if God didn't want it, then it wouldn't be in the stars. Yosef was stuck. Stuck. She had him. So he turned to her and he said the following. And the only reason he said the following was because this was his midah. He said the following. She came to him every day and she bothered him every day. But your mind refused. He said, "Ain't any God of Abayis as there. I'm the number one man, except the Eich Eesa Ha'ara Hagedola Hazois. How could I do this terrible thing?" Now she's like, "What terrible thing? I just proved to you it's not terrible, right?" The Chatosi Lelokim, and I would sin to Hashem. What he said before was, "Listen to the Lashon." Your husband, my master, right? He concerns himself about nothing in the house. Because, why? Because, because he trusts me. So he leaves me to run the house. In English, right? Look, with me here, my master concerns himself about nothing in the house. And whatever he has placed is in my custody. There is no one greater in the house than I. And he has not denied me anything but you, since you are his wife. How could I perpetrate this great evil and have sinned against Hashem? So what is he saying the great evil here is? Is he saying the great evil is that she's not Jewish? No. Is he saying the great evil is that she's saying, at the end of the day, my hakar satayim. Your husband put his whole house in my trust. How can I break his trust? At the end of the day, you're not his wife legally, but he trusts me in this house. He trusts me with you. 
So he didn't, he didn't refuse her because she was a guy. He didn't refuse her because she was married. He refused her because he had feelings for another human being. And he said, at the end of the day, the greatest sin to God is to be a kafei a taif. He's giving me everything, and I'm going to use that power that he doesn't even know what's going on in the house. I'm going to use that power that I, he let me become the master of the house, to have all the keys, and I can go to all the rooms. So I'm going to use that power against him? No can do. So, tzaddikin coming from us, no adultery, you're saying good, you're saying good. But at the end of the day, the man trusted me. He gave me everything. He gave me the keys to the safe. So I should steal, I should steal something from the safe? That is a sin to God. Yosef HaTzadik was very sensitive to other people's feelings. So in the end of the day, I am going to hurt your husband's feelings. He's going to say, I gave you the keys to the house, I trusted you with everything, and, and, and this is what you did to my wife? That is the biggest sin to Hashem. To be a coffee toy is the biggest sin to Hashem. I cannot hurt his feelings. And he ran out. And he ran away. And she made her claims, and she said what she had to do. He ran away. He was very sensitive to other people's feelings. And we go a little bit further in the Pasha. And in Pasha's Mike, and before Pasha's Mike, and I spoke about this. What, how did he save the world? I spoke about it in, in a girls' school today. It says that he's in the jail. Now, you have to understand something, guys. This jail, an Egyptian jail in those days, was so decrepit and so full of filth and lowlifes. It was just the lowest place. The shrine was the lowest place, and the lowest place in the lowest place was a dungeon, was, was a jail. Yosef Atzadik, again, listen carefully. I said it today, it's Neyudik. The Torah tells us something that it doesn't really have to tell us. What does it say? He ended up He ended up the king of the jail. Here, listen to this. Yosef also, and Yosef's masters took him by Yinel and Beis Hasoah. They put him in jail. All the prisoners of the king were locked up. And he was in the jail. But he Hashem is Yosef. Hashem never left him alone. He was with him in jail. And Hashem did Chesed. And he found favor in the eyes of the jailer, of the head jailer. Listen to what happens again. The head of the jail, I'll translate it for you the way he translated The prison warden placed all the inmates of the prison in Yosef's custody. And everything that was done there, he would accomplish. He ran the prison. He was unbelievable. He comes to, he comes to what's it called? Potiphar's house. Potiphar right away sees he's Matzliach. He makes him the head of the house. He's running the house. Then they throw him into the jail. The head of the jail, the warden says, oh man, this guy is amazing. Makes him the head of the jail. Everyone's under his control. 
So he's sitting again in all three places. This is this is deep. In all three places so far in his stories. First part of the story, he's sitting at the top. His father's favorite son, Ksenius Pasim. His father sits and learns with him. He's the chosen. And all he does is worry about the brothers that are being persecuted. Then he goes to Mitzrayim and he goes into the same position. He goes to Potiphar's house. Hashem makes the whole house Hatzliach. He sits at the top of the house. He's the man. The master gave him control of the house. And all he's worried about when Potiphar's wife wants to be with him is the feelings of the master. How could I hurt the master that gave me position that he gave me? And then he falls again. First he's all the way up. Yaakov's son. Boom. He's sold. Then he's all the way up. Potiphar's master of the house. Boom. Every time he gets up there. Then he becomes top of the jail. So the top of the jail doesn't have to worry about the prisoners, the low-life prisoners. He's the man. He's got the keys. He's got the kitchen. He's got everything. He's the top. What happens? What happens? So, the Pusik says, So these two, these two ministers, the, the, the butler and the baker, get put into jail. Yosef got the job to be with them and attended them and remained in the ward. And what happens? But Yahweh Aleim Yosef, Yosef comes to them in the morning, Baboker in the morning. Bayar Osam, number one. He was mocking them. He gave them Hakara. He, he, he looked at them. He saw them. You're a bunch of low life Egyptian low life. What do I have to do with you? I'm the man. I'm the head warden. No. Yosef, no matter, he always got to the top. And then he ended up on the bottom. He always ended up at the top. And when he got to the top, all he was worried about, at the top of, when he was, when he was uh, Yaakov's son, in the beginning of Ayesha, he was on the top, he's worried about the, the, the brothers that are the sons of the major. He gets to the top of, of, of Potiphar, Potiphar's wife is trying to make him crazy. All he's worried about is Potiphar, Potiphar. How can I do this to the man? Even though he bought him for the worst reasons, how can I hurt him? Now he gets to the top again, and all he's doing is looking on what these guys look like. Bayar also vihinam zoyafim. He said, he looks at them, right? And they're depressed. Who cares? If you're in prison and you're sitting in the dining room and someone's depressed, you care? You're looking down at your food, you don't care about the other person. You're worried about yourself. Yosef's in big trouble. His brothers don't know where he is. His father doesn't know where he is. He's in an Egyptian prison with no out. There's no out. He's stuck in a prison. He may be number one man, but he's stuck in a prison. Who at that point really cares that you got up this morning and you're depressed? That you got up in a bad mood? What do I care? He cared because he was very sensitive. But it wasn't good just enough that he saw that they were depressed. And he said to them, Madua Penechim Ra'im Hayom. Now, guys. 
If he says in the Pasuk, why is your face look so bad today? Why do you look so depressed? Hayom today, it means that he looked at them every day. He, all, he would, all he would have just said, why do you look depressed? He said, why do you look depressed today? Which means every other day you didn't look depressed because they didn't have the dreams yet. So he, he, was, a, he was a person's man. He looked at them every day. He's like, uh-oh, today something changed. Today you're depressed. Why are you depressed? It bothered him. So they said, why am I depressed? Today. Why are you depressed today? And they said, because we had a dream and the other one told his dream. And then Yosef Hatzadik translated those dreams. And because he asked them, but first of all, because he saw they were depressed, and then he asked them why they're depressed, that led them to tell the dreams, that led them to translate the dreams, because he translated the dreams. When Paro had the dreams, the, the Sahamashim remembered and brought Yosef to translate. So if Yosef wouldn't have cared about the other person, and he would have never asked them, what's bothering you? They would have never told him they had a dream. He would have never gotten out of the prison, and he would have never translated Paolo's dream, and he would have never translated seven good years and seven bad years, and he would have never sat, he would have never saved the world. So the saving of the world, you think it comes from all of you in this room that are awake, right? The few of you that are awake, anyway, right? So you think that only Moshe Rabbeinu can save the world, Rav Chaim Kainetsky can save the world. Asking someone what's bothering you? Why do you look like this today? Save the whole world. No buildings, no yeshiva, no, no big machers, no big speakers. Why are all going to save the world? No big speakers, nothing. Just asking a guy. A guy. Hey man, what is up? Why do you look like this today? Save the whole world. Crazy story. That was his mida. His meter was, why are you making fun of my brothers? His meter is, I know what, I know that what you're saying is right, but at the end of the day, you want me to hurt. If you're going to disturb my class, then you cannot sit in my class, darling. You either sit and listen, or you don't. Or you like, hit the road. Do you hear what I'm saying? That if, it, if someone else doesn't look the same and it bothers you, it could change the whole world. A guy at, at work, I mean, I, I don't have the stories at the tip of my fingers. There are many stories of people who, when they were, when they were nobodies, they gave attention to the nobody, and that nobody became the governor. It was a fam- very famous story. became the governor, and there was a whole thing against the Jews, that the Jews were supposed to be wiped out. And this Jew went to talk to them, and, he, and they sent all the rabbis, they didn't listen to anyone. And this guy went, he was a very plain person, and he saved the whole, he saved the whole city, the whole country, whatever it was, because when they were kids, he was nice to him. He wasn't Jewish. He was nice to him. So, so, so Yosef's mida was to worry about how you feel. He's very sensitive to know how you feel. Where does that play again? Where does that play out again? Pashva Yigash. Pashva Yigash, we spoke about this last week. That he sent out all, the, all his guards. And he was left alone with the brothers who wanted to kill him. And he was willing to die because they didn't know he was Yosef. He was willing to die not to embarrass them. He was always worried about the other person's feeling. So if they kill me, they'll never know that I was Yosef even. If they kill me, at least they weren't embarrassed. So he first sent out all the guards, all his, all his mitzvahs. He made sure that they were all out. But listen to what happened here. Listen to what happened here. 
So he tells them, I need Yosef, right? They couldn't answer him. According to the Chidah, they, they died. They all died. The Neshamas left them. And Hashem had to put the Neshama back. That's how embarrassed they were, right? And we say, They said, How can we not recognize his face? He looked exactly like our father. All this time that we're going to Mitzrayim back and forth. How could we not recognize his face? And the answer is that once you believe something about a kid, I spoke about this last night at a PTA, once you, once you make a decision on what a kid is going to be, then, then, then you can never believe. The saddest story, I don't know if I said it here, I said it in our novel last week. This is a true story. There was a girl in my school, in my BCA, in my high school, when we first started, that got kicked out in 10th grade, actually 9th or 10th grade, I'm not sure, from a, one of the very religious schools in Flatbush. And she made some trouble, whatever, and they threw her out. She ended up on the street. She didn't even get to my high school till like a year and a half after being in the street. Boys, drugs, drinking, you name it, she did it. She came to, to BCA. We brought Hashem. It took, it took us about three years. She totally turned around. Therapy and love and care. And she ended up becoming from. But not only from, really from. And she ended up getting married, and she ended up wearing a shaitel, a wig. Her husband was learning half a day. Beautiful story, really beautiful story. She had a baby. From babes, beautiful. We're all very proud of her. She's in Glotmart on a Friday. It's a true story. And she's wheeling her baby, and the man who threw her out of high school is there, the rabbi. This girl was so special. I mean, I would have thrown something at him, right? But she, the opposite. She, she was totally Michael him. She always told me, I have no hard feelings because I have no hard feelings. She said, maybe I deserved it. That She had a lot of hachna, this girl. She's a very modest kid. She's like, maybe I did deserve it. She didn't deserve it. But maybe I deserved it. So I'm not angry at him. He had to protect his school. He had to protect his name. She said, so Rabbi. So she goes over to him. I'll make up a name. And she goes, Hi, Rabbi. Shekel, baby. Glotmart, Arab Shabbos. Hi, Rabbi. You remember me? He looks at her. He says, I have a lot of students that graduated from my school. I'm sorry, I, I don't remember you. She goes, I'm a Dina Schwartzberg. He looks at her and goes, No, you're not. You're... You're her, you're her older sister, Rachel. She goes, no, no, no. I'm not Rachel. I'm Adina. And he says, it's impossible. So he says to her, it's impossible. Come on. You're Rachel. She says, why, why is it impossible? I'm Adina. He says, Adina definitely doesn't look like this. This girl called me before Shabbos. Tzabrachim. Broken. She's like, and Walsing, why? I worked so hard. Why couldn't he accept that it was me? And I said, because if he accepts that it's you, then he made the biggest mistake of his life by throwing you out. You know, there's a saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. 
he threw her into the trash. He became my, she became my treasure. Maybe if it didn't work, then it would have changed. What? Maybe. Had not found her out, maybe it's not. Well, so what's happening over here is he, he can't, he can't accept, he can't accept that it's a Dina, because if it's a Dina, then my life was a lie, then I made a mistake, then I was wrong. I can't be wrong! And that's what happened by the brothers. How could they not recognize Yosef? Yosef looked Dikuno Shalavid. He had the beard. He was now, when he left, he was 17, so I understand they wouldn't recognize him. But now it's 22 years later, he's 39 years old, he's 40 years old. He's got a long beard, just like his father. So when they came down to Mitzrayim and they saw him the first time, they should have said, Huh, Shalom Aleichem. They didn't recognize him, he took Shimon, then they said Binyamin, they found the, the cup, and they went through all this stuff. They would have recognized him in the beginning, the whole thing wouldn't have happened. King of Halumi Panov. They were like, You're Yosef? And they're looking at him, they're like, Of course you're Yosef! You look just like your dad! How come you didn't see that before? So, boys, the Medrash says why. The Medrash says that when they came to Mitzrayim, the first thing they did is they went to the red light district. They went to where the Zainers were. And they said, our pretty boy brother, if he went, if he's in Mitzrayim and he's alive, he's not in yeshiva, he's not, he's a low life. Because they paskined in the other parsha when they looked at him, Merachok, and they said, the dreamer is coming, they paskined on Yosef Atzadeh that you're going to grow up to be, you're going to grow up to be prostitute. A nobody, a zaina, says the Medrash. So if you're looking for your brother in the streets of the Zainas, and he's sitting as second to the king, eh, it's a, you know, there's someone always in the world that looks like you. It's not him. It can't be him. Now he smashed them. Now he did what this Adina Schwartzberg did. He said, it's me. Ani Yosef. It's Adina. Impossible. If Halumi Panov, they were like, oh my gosh, look at him. It, he looks exactly, how, how did we miss this? But Yosef didn't last, let it last for a second. You think he wanted to hurt his brothers? So he says, right after that, he says, by Yomer, Yosef el Echov, Geshunai Eli, listen carefully. And he's going to say it again, but he's going to say it different. Because here's a person who cared about the feelings of others. Come close to me. They came close. What does he tell them? Listen to the difference between the first time and the second time. What do you say the first time? I'm Yosef, is my father still alive? Listen to what he says the second time. Ani Yosef Achichem. He adds the word brother. First time he didn't say brother. First time he said, you didn't treat me like a brother. And therefore I'm asking if my father's alive. See, there's a problem. If my father's Yaakov, and you're not my brothers, then he's not your father. If my father's Yaakov, and you're not my brother, then Yaakov's not your father. So instead of saying, oh, Oda Vinuchai, 
our father, he said, you guys cut me out. I'm not one of you. But if I'm not one of you and he's my dad, then he's not your dad. So this time, he says, I need Yosef Achichem. He doesn't ask him if his father's alive. They didn't answer him. He didn't ask again. They didn't answer him. They didn't say he's alive. He's just giving them Musr. And there's a beautiful Chidon. There's a crazy Chidon. The Chidon is amazing. He says, Lemaise, why did he ask that question? He knew his father was alive. Every time Yehuda opened his mouth, what did Yehuda say? My father, my old father, my old father, Binyamin, always my old father, my old father, my old father. Right? So what are you asking him if he's alive? Beautiful terrorists. Listen to what the Chidah says. The Chidah says, Yosef could not understand. How can they not recognize me? I look exactly like my father. He tried every trick. He did it. He put them in, a, in, 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 when he gave them to eat, he put them in, in, in age. And Rashi says, they were talking to each other. How does this mystery know who's older than who? He gave them hints. Like, I look like him. I know your ages. You found the cup in your cup. Hello? Start thinking a little bit. And they started talking to each other and saying, you know why this is happening to us? Because we sold our brother. That's what they picked up. They didn't pick up what was, it was their brother. They started talking to each other and saying, like, you know, we're getting punished with all these problems because we sold our because we didn't have Rahmanus on our brother. And he threw them hint after hint after hint. So, so why did he think, anyone here know why? Why did he think his father wasn't alive? Why did he ask that question? You ready for this? The Chidot says like this. Yosef Atadik said, if my father was alive and they just left him to come to Mitzrayim and they saw my face, they would recognize it right away. It must be that when I was sold 17 years ago, he died. So they haven't seen my father's face for 17 years. So they forgot what he looks like. So therefore, that's why they're not recognizing me. So that's what the Chidah is saying. Why do you say what? Why do you keep on saying my father, my father doesn't let me... I mean, what, what? He didn't believe him. He said, I don't trust you with it because Yehuda also said... Because Yehuda... They didn't want to bring their brother down. He kept asking, bring your brother down, right? So Yehuda kept saying, I can't. I have a father. He's alive. It's like, you don't have a father that's alive. You're just using that to keep... Keep me from getting Binyamin. And the reason he said that was because he lied. Yehuda lied. Yehuda said that my other brother is dead. Yep. He was talking about Yosef. That Yosef is dead. Yosef said to himself, one second, this guy's lying. He sold me. He's lying about that. So he's lying about the other thing. But he was very worried. How can they not recognize me? Must be my father died 17 years ago. They forgot what he looks like. They didn't, they, if they're looking at him every day and they come to him and try him two days later, how could they not recognize me? So Nivhalumi Panov, they, they, they were in awe because of his face. They were like, oh my gosh. All the time we're looking at him and we didn't recognize him. And it's so true. You, you make decisions on people and even if they change, you don't allow that change to affect you that you should feel that they change because that makes you wrong. I felt this guy, this guy's a low life and he's a bad guy. So even the guy changed, like, nah, he's still a bad guy. Why? Because... Because you made a judgment. And once you make that judgment, if you have to change the judgment, then you're wrong. You don't want to be wrong. Just like that rabbi didn't want to be wrong. So Yosef immediately said to them, it gets much better. He immediately said to them, I need Yosef, 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 I need
You may not be my brother, but I'm your brother. You may not treat me as a brother, but you're achich, you're my brother. And he goes on. I'm the guy you sold to Mitzrayim. Don't be depressed. Don't worry. Don't get angry. Because he figured they're going to start squabbling. They're going to be pointing fingers. You told him to say, you did this. Yehuda, you did this. Reuven, you did this. And they're going to start squabbling between each other. He said, no, 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 no. Don't be angry. Don't be angry. Why? You sold me, Haina, here. You didn't sell me. Hashem put that idea in your head. Do you know why? He put it in your head so that we could save the world and feed them. So it's sort of me smacking you and you're like, don't worry about it. Because you smacked me, I had to go to the doctor and by the doctor there was a person who needed a ride and I had a ride and I gave him the ride. I get out of here. Come on, I smacked you. Right? No, not Yosef. Yosef was this me, he was this me that always worried about what the other ones felt like. It goes further. It gets, I said this today. I was screaming in the school that I was speaking because it's not normal. Listen to it out. Listen to this. He doesn't, he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. These two years, there was a terrible hunger. There's another five years. Hashem sent me before you so I could set up the land for you. You didn't send me. Kilokim. Hashem sent me. Hashem made me the father of Paro and the master of his house. And I run the home and try him. So at this point, guys, don't you think his brother should have apologized? No. What happens? He fell. Yosef Hatzadik fell on Yosef on on, on Benjamin's shoulder. And he cried. And in turn, Benjamin cried on his shoulders. Don't you think? Listen to this. He went to his brothers and he kissed them all. And he cried on them. And finally, finally, after that. His brother spoke to him. Shouldn't it have been? You guys sold me to Mitzrayim? You took me away from my father for 22 years? Shouldn't the brothers have come to him and cried on his shoulders and apologized to him for what they did? But the Pasuk says they didn't do that. He went to them, cried on their shoulders and spoke nice words to his brothers to make peace. It's such, it's such a level, such a crazy level, because all he was worried about, you see this, all these psukim, he said one little thing, and then the whole time, he was apologizing, I'm sorry, don't be angry, it's not you, it's me, Hashem sent me here, don't worry about it, and the brother still was standing there, so he jumped, and he hugged, and he kissed him, and he cried on his shoulders, we're not done, we're not done, all right? That's Pasha by Yigash. <coughs> this week's Pasha, the end. Pasha by Yichi. So his father dies. And the brothers are like, uh oh, now we're in trouble. Because now 
even Esav waited until Yitzhak died to start with Yaakov. So Yosef's waiting until Yaakov dies to start with us. He's got all the power. There's no way this guy is so above the law. He's going to take revenge. <coughs> they saw that their father died. And they said, Yosef. Maybe Yosef is nursing some hatred. He's going to take revenge. They admitted now to the bad. All the bad, he's going to repay all the evil that we did to him. So they made up a story, which he knew wasn't true. They went to Yosef and they said, You know, Yosef, your father, your father, before he died, commanded Lema saying, Tell Yosef the following, That you should forgive us um, what we did to you. So, please forgive us because that's what Dad said we should do. Yaakov never told him to do that. Yaakov never said, don't take revenge. Yaakov didn't even discuss what happened. But they said that because they were very, very scared that he is now, like, he is just too nice. Like, I'm not angry. Hashem wanted me to be here. Don't worry about it. Hugs and kisses. My brothers are like, yeah. Yeah, but the minute dad dies, he's gonna chop our heads off. Doesn't even sound like Yaakov ever knew that they even sold Right, it doesn't say that he did. It doesn't say that he did. Okay? So. Here, Rashi, you ready? Rashi says the following. Avicha Tziva, they said your father commanded. Shinu Badava. They changed it a little bit. Mibnei Hashalom. Because they wanted to make peace. Yaakov was never this beautiful Rashi. How do we how do we know that this wasn't true? How do we know that Yaakov never said that? Because most Mephoshim say there's a bit of that he knew or he didn't know. Rashi says because Yaakov knew who Yosef was. He was never he was never chayshed that that Yosef, who is the most beautiful person, who only worried about how everybody feels would ever take revenge on anyone. So Rashi says that we know it's not true because Yaakov would never tell his kids to tell Yosef that I'm telling you you shouldn't take revenge because we would never, Yaakov would never dream that Yosef would take revenge. This was the Yosef from the beginning of Pasuk Yeshev that was worried about his maidservant's brothers who didn't stop his selling. These maidservants who he stood up for when they sold Yosef, they didn't stand up for him. Michael, Michael, Michael. Michael, everybody. So what happened? They was very scared. When they came in front of him, and they said, We're ready. Don't kill us. Don't kill our children. Don't kill our families. We'll all be your servants. You know how scared they were? We'll all be your servants. Just don't kill us. You need to say this in your life when you're angry at somebody, when they did something up, when they did it bad to you. This is like the main pasuk of this whole parsha. So here they are in front of them, like, please, 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 don't kill us, don't kill us. We'll be your servants, slaves. Our kids will be your slaves. Our wives will be your slaves. Just don't kill us, don't kill us, don't take revenge. This is what he answers. I love it. He says, "Guys, don't you got nothing to worry about? Why don't you have anything to worry about? Am I your judge?" Am I God? I'm not God. 
I don't take revenge. I don't judge people. I'm a person. I'm not Hashem. And if I wasn't supposed to be sold, I wouldn't have been sold. So whatever happens to me is written by Hashem. So who am I to take revenge if that's what Hashem wrote? Hashem, how many times in your life when someone really gets you angry and you really want to get him back? Hashem, what am I getting him back for? You think he could have hurt me if Hashem didn't want him to? What a possible. Three words. Three words. You wanted to do bad. I know what you guys wanted to do. But that's not what Hashem wanted. Hashem wanted to be good. Hashem wanted me to save everyone. Don't worry. I will feed you. I will support you. And your children. He comforted them. They sold him. They took away 22 years of his life. And he's by Yenachim Osam. He's busy comforting them. The person who's all he's worried about is what the other person feels. It's Chomish. And he spoke to their heart. So now let me explain to you the last Pasuk. And why that's the summation of the whole Bereshis. When they left Mitzrayim, Klaishra was stuck by the Yamsuf. The Mitzrayim were behind, and the Yamsuf was in front. And Hashem said, Moshe Rabbeinu actually said, to the Yam to split. And the Malach of the Yam said, the Yam it doesn't split. It could freeze over, but it doesn't split. I am controlled by Teva, by nature. No miracles. I don't do miracles. Hashem does miracles. I don't do miracles. Their natures are the same. The Jews served idols in Mitzrayim. And the Egyptians served idols in Mitzrayim. There's no reason for me to break my nature for either one of them. What did the ocean, what did the ocean see that it split? Says the Medrash, Yosef. The coffin of Yosef. What's the last pasuk in the parasha? That they put him in a coffin. It doesn't say anywhere else in the Torah that they put someone in a coffin. The word coffin's not, you won't find it in the Chumash. Why would the Chumash tell me they put him in a coffin? Because later on when the Medrash says, what did they see? They saw a reino Yosef. The Yam saw the coffin of Yosef. Miyad immediately says the Medrash the Yam had to split why? because Yosef HaTzadik broke broke nature it's not normal to be sold by your brothers to Mitzrayim and all you are is worried about that they shouldn't be, shouldn't feel bad, and you're hugging and you're kissing and you're making nice to them, and all you're worried about that they shouldn't be hurt. It's not normal that Ashish Potiphar wants you to do an Aveil with you, and the stars say, do it! And the Halacha says, you could do it, she's not married. And he broke his Teva to be with a woman. Why? Because of the feelings, I don't want to hurt another man. Sitting at the top in a jail. 
He broke his teva. I have to worry about you, your problems. I'm the man. To worry about why these guys don't look good today. Be Yosef Atzadik to break his teva to worry about the sons of the Shvachos. The Yamstuf said, for him, I got a split. And once he split, Kleistra went through. So the last Pasuk, Neuridik, it's so beautiful. The answer to Vayechi, boys. The answer to Vayechi, that it's a, that it's a close, that life is a closed book, is the last word in Vayechi. Because the last word in Vayechi is the Mitzrayim. That they buried him in Mitzrayim. What looks like the worst thing. Yaakov Avinu was buried in Eretz Yisrael. Yosef HaTzadik wasn't buried in Eretz Yisrael. He was buried in Mitzrayim. Had Yosef not been buried in Mitzrayim, he wouldn't have been carried by the Yamsuf. He would have been in Eretz Yisrael. So the Yamsuf wouldn't split. The only reason that the Yamsuf split was because they were carrying. And he said to them, don't leave Mitzrayim without my body. Don't leave Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu went looking for it because if you leave a shrine without my body, you guys are going to get stuck. You're going to get wiped out because my body is what's going to split the Yamsuf because his body was anti-Teva, was totally against nature. So the, the worst word and the worst Pasuk in the whole Torah, it looks like it's the worst word, Mitzrayim, was the best thing that ever happened because had he not been buried in Mitzrayim, the Yamsuf would have never split. The Yamstuf would have never split. We would have been wiped out. Had we been wiped out, we wouldn't be able to be a Kabbalah Torah. And the whole Beratius, the whole creation, the whole Abram Yitzchak and Yaakov, the whole travails, the whole Asari Nisanis that Abram went through was what? So that Kleisro should be a nation that should be a Kabbalah Torah. Had he not, had he not been buried in Mitzrayim, the whole thing wouldn't have happened. So the suffix, the closure of the whole Pasha, of the whole book of Beratius is this last Pasuk. And that's why Yechi. What looks like in life is terrible. What looks like is very bad is Stuma. <coughs> he died, he's mummified and buried was the best thing that could have ever happened to Klai Yisrael. That last passing, and therefore we scream out after, he died! Mummified! Buried in Mitzrayim! Yes! Chazak, chazak, v'nitz chazak, everybody. Be strong! Because things that look terrible really are our saviors really it's stuma we don't understand it but what looks like the worst is the best so we go back to the phone call I got yesterday what looks like the worst everyone got a bowl of cherries and I got the pits is really the best because the pits planted grows much more than one cherry or a box of cherries. So what looks like bad is really, uh, is really good. And therefore, all the Mepharshim say that the gullus that we're going through, the terrible gullus and the terrible tragedies and the terrible stuff that Klai Yisrael is going through, and it looks terrible. It looks like Vayechantu, Vayamas, and, and buried in Mitzrayim, buried in America, buried in the schmutz, buried in the technology. We're buried, we're buried. It looks like it's so terrible. But they say that, that in order to have Moshiach, in order to have Moshiach, you have to go through all those trials and tribulations to give you the ability to split the Yamsuf, to have Moshiach come. 
So even though it looks very hard and it looks like the end of the parsha is a terrible parsha, chazak, chazak, v'niz chazek. What looks bad is really what saves us. But the point that I want to make tonight more than anything else is that midos tovos, caring about another person, caring about another person, can save the world. It saved the world and it saved Klai Yisrael. And I have a very cute little, just a teeny one second little story from Chicken Soup, um, The Heart. Um, listen to this. It happened one year at the zoo. My daughter and I stood beside a grandmother and a little girl whose face was sprinkled with bright red freckles. The children were waiting in line to get their cheeks painted by a local artist who was decorating them with tiger paws. You've got so many freckles, there's no place to paint. A boy in the line, cr- in, uh, in the line cried, embarrassed, the little girl beside me dropped her head. Her grandmother knelt down next to her and said, I love your freckles. Not me, the girl replied. Well, when I was a little girl, I always wanted freckles. She said, the grandmother, tracing her fingers across the child's cheek. Freckles are beautiful. The girl looked up. Really? Of course, said the grandmother. Why, just name me one thing in this world that's prettier than freckles. The little girl peered into the old woman's smiling face and said, I know something that's more beautiful than freckles. Wrinkles. She answered softly. That moment has whispered something to me ever since. If I look at the others with the eyes of love, I will not see blemishes. Only beauty. And the line here is, the line here is, wrinkles should merely indicate where smiles once has been. So, here was a girl who, someone made fun of her, and made fun of her freckles, and you can imagine that the woman, the woman who's telling her freckles are beautiful, right? The kid's like, wants to give something back, and she has wrinkles. So she says there's something even more beautiful than that, than wrinkles. It's, it's how you look at people. It's, again, the thorns on the roses or the roses on the thorns. We'll end with this. Bob Butler lost his legs in 1956, landmine explosion in Vietnam. He returned home a war, a war hero. He had no legs. 20 years later, he proved once again that heroism comes from the heart. Bob Butler was working in his garage in a small town in Arizona on a hot summer day when he heard a woman's screams coming from a nearby house. He rolled his wheelchair toward the house, but the, de- the dense shrubbery would not allow him access to the back door. So the veteran soldier got out of his chair and crawled, he had no legs, through the dirt and bushes. I had to get there, he says. It didn't matter how much it hurt. When Butler arrived at the house, he traced the screams to the pool where a three-year-old girl was lying at the bottom. She had been born, the little girl, without arms and had fallen into the water and could not swim. Her mother stood over her baby, screaming frantically. Butler dove to the bottom of the pool and brought little Stephanie up to the deck. Her face was blue. She had no pulse and she was not breathing. Butler immediately went to work performing CPR to revive her while Stephanie's mother telephoned the fire department. She was told that the paramedics were not available. They were already out on a different call. Helplessly, she sobbed and hugged Butler's shoulder. 
As Butler continued with his CPR, he calmly reassured Stephanie's mother. Don't worry, he said. I was her arms to get her out of the pool. It'll be okay. I am now going to become her lungs. Together, we can make it. Seconds later, the little girl coughed, regained consciousness, and began to cry. As they hugged and rejoiced together, the mother asked Butler, How did you know that she would be okay? And this is what he answered. When my legs were blown off in the war, I was all alone in a field. No one was there to help me except a little Vietnamese girl. As she struggled to drag me into her village, she whispered in broken English, It's okay, American. You can live. I be your legs. Together, we make it. This was my chance, he told Stephanie's mom, to return the favor. I told my girls today, a thing that you learn from Yosef Atzadik, it's an argument that I have with someone that's very close to me, and the argument is that do you have to do for a friend something they won't do for you? This is already, this argument going on for 37 years. In other words, if I call up my friend at 2 o'clock at night, I'm like, could you pick me up? I had a flat tire. And he's like, are you crazy? I got to get up to go to work tomorrow. I'm not getting out of bed. Call to tow truck. And the next night he calls me and he's stuck at 2 o'clock at night. Zach, can you come get me? I'm like, uh, sorry. You could go get a tow truck. I don't believe in that. I don't, I don't believe that's correct. I believe when you want to do a person a taiva, it has nothing to do with them returning the favor. It's not, it's not about you. If, if I want to be a good guy, then it's not about you giving, giving me back what I did for you. Just don't, you know, you know, I just tell everyone, don't throw stones at me, that's all. No good deed goes unpunished. In other words, I'm not asking for a reward. Just don't punish me. Just don't punish me. But if you live your life like Yosef HaTzadik, if you live your life, don't always look for, well, well, he didn't do that for me. He didn't lend me this. I'm not doing that for them. It has nothing to do with what he does for you. What you do, Chesed, has nothing to do with the other person. And even if they don't say thank you and they don't pay you back, it's not a problem. It's their problem. It's not your problem. You don't need to thank you. They need to thank you. Not you need to thank you. Yosef HaTzadik, after everything his brothers did, he went and kissed them. And he hugged them. It's not like, well, if you hug me, I'll forgive you and I'll hug you back. No. He went and kissed them and he hugged them. He didn't wait till they came to hug him. This is the midos that we have to live by. And if we live by those midos, we'll see in all our lives, chazak, chazak, v'nis chazak. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.